0: Welcome to the Encounter Christian Church message podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. And this is the second week of our series, Bright Bold Hope series. And uh, last week, you know, we had our Vision Sunday. And I thought it was an amazing service. I've heard So many stories of people's lives being touched. And, and today is our yearly anointing service. So we have a vision service to start our year off for February because January, January is the kind of month where people are still holidaying. So February is where we kind of get down to business. And so this is our anointing service. At the end of the service, we're going to pray for whoever wants prayer. We're going to anoint you with oil and ask you, what do you believe in God for in 2020? But I'll give you some instructions at the very end of that. And uh, I've been told today's message of our Bright Bold Hope series, you have a superpower. You have a superpower. You know, I know as a kid, I really wanted superpowers. And to be honest with you, as an adult, I still fantasize about superpowers. I really do. I'm not joking. And um, my superpower I would love to have is to be invisible. Like the invisible woman, but I would be the invisible man. Just, just invisibility. I think that would be like a really kind of cool gift. But then I was thinking about this. And I was thinking, you know what? It could actually be a lonely gift because you're invisible but no one knows you're there and it could be lonely. So it's kind of got a good and a bad about that superpower. Anyway, so um, and today you're thinking, what does anointing mean? What is anointing service? What what does that term anointing mean? And it's a very Christian term. So I'm going to try to clarify what the Bible talks about when it talks about anointing. And last week we launched our banner, Bright Bold Hope. If we could put that next slide up, thanks. Well, it's on there, but they're bright, bold hope. And you'll see on that black wall out there, it says bright, bold hope. And that's what we're believing as a banner that we're about as a church, as an encounter church. And I saw people taking photos last week. It's on social media. I'm thinking, oh, maybe that could come a shepherd and icon. People just going to get a photo with the bright, bold hope church. I mean, it could be a great publicity thing. But anyway. And say we're broadcasting to the world. Our banner is about broadcasting what we're about. It's our motto. It's our war cry. We're saying Bright Bold Hope. And we've got these bands, Bright Bold Hope, there. And last week we handed heaps of them out. So we're going to have people at the door after church. And as you leave, grab a few. Grab one for yourself if you weren't here last week. If you think of some friends who need them, I've got a heap of them. And you know, I want people to be able to look and go, they're having a bad day. It's like, I've got a Bright Bold Hope you know i serve a god of hope and if you've got a friend who's going through something encourage you to give it to them and say hey look when you're going through your day and you hit that spot when you just get anxious or you're stressed just have a look down and say hey you got a god who's your bright bold hope we want to kind of have it as a a, a word over our heart and as a church and and just to clarify for people who weren't here last week i'm just clarify what it actually means okay so the bright is symbolizing shining the, the bright is symbolizing creativity. It's, it, it's symbolizing the, the, the brightness of God. You know, there's a, there's a scripture that says that Jesus says that we're like a city on a hill, that we, we are a light to the world. And we believe that as a church and as individuals, we have the light of God in us and that we shine light. And so bright is talking about that illumination. It's talking about courage. It's talking about unconventional. It's talking about out. On the edge. Then that word bold, the Bible says the righteous are as bold as lions. That means we're unashamed. We don't feel guilt. We are righteous because of Jesus who died for us. We can boldly enter the throne room of God. We can boldly proclaim what we believe and not be ashamed because it is truth. And bold also has that there's a word audacious. like it audacious so audacious means boldness with risk it's like cutting edge boldness you know just brashness So bright bold hope and hope speaks of truth it speaks of faith It, it speaks of trust and and that we believe that that we serve of god of hope and last week i talked about the bright bold hope isn't normal hope if you've got hope that you know you're gonna have a nice day tomorrow that's just a human hope this is hope that we have. I believe the bright, bold hope is a supernatural hope from God Himself. That even when you're in circumstances and you don't feel like there's hope, that God can give you a hope that the thing will change. See, you could go through something, and, and we can lose hope. We can have hopelessness, and if and if you felt hopeless before, and or you're feeling hopeless now, it's a horrible feeling when you've got no hope. It's like all light leaves your being, when, when you've got that sense of hopelessness, it's almost like this darkness that you can't see any future. You can't see a way out of this. It's debilitating. You don't even want to get out of bed, you know, kind of thing. And it's a horrible thing. But you know, when you're on that place, you're actually in a good place because you can come to God, the hope, the God who created hope, the originator of hope. Hope comes from him. He created it. He ordained it. And we can come to him and say, I need hope. I've got no hope. And then He can come and give you a supernatural hope. A hope that is beyond your circumstances. A hope that isn't determined by what you see. Or whether, whether yesterday when you had hopelessness or the next day when God gives you hope, nothing's changed. Nothing you see is any different. But you have a hope that's been birthed from heaven above. And it doesn't matter what you see or what you face. You have a hope that is superior, that transcends the world you're living in. And we see Abraham in the Bible. He had a hope he'd have a son. He had a hope. And then his wife got too old to have children. Then he got too old to produce children. And they got to a situation where it was completely hopeless that they could get the promise of God and have a son. It was completely hopeless. His circumstances. It's, nobody's had a child when they can't have a child past the age But he believed in hope, the Bible says. He had a bright, bold hope. His hope wasn't based in what he saw or what he felt or what he thought in his head and his own insecurities and his own inadequacies. But his hope was in a God who was able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that he asked to sing. This is what bright, bold hope is. It's a hope beyond who you are. It's a hope birthed from God. I know I'm getting preaching. I'm getting excited. We're starting early today. How can you live a life? that broadcasts his hope? How can we live a life that broadcasts a bright, bold hope God? How? We need his presence. See, we need his anointing. We need his anointing over our life in 2020. We need his presence over our life. Not only that, we need to be doing the thing that he's anointed us for. If you're over here and God has called you and gifted you to do this, there's a power But if you leave that calling or you leave that thing He's anointed you for or empowered you for, then you're functioning in your own strength. We need to get under the tap of where God has called you as a unique human being. We all have different giftings and callings and God's ordained each of us for something unique. It's when we get into the groove of that, that His anointing can empower you to do something beyond who you are. That's what I want to talk about today. As we draw near to God, He will draw near to you. I've got some really kind of Christianese theological words here, and we're going to clarify what they actually mean. Anointed, ceremonially confer divine or holy office upon a priest or monarch by, I was going to say by swearing, but it's not, is it? By smearing, by swearing over that, by smearing or rubbing with oil. You know, and, and we see this when, we're like, the, the king gets anointed, or the queen, or a prince. There's, there's this ceremony where they're actually getting anointed. This term is like ordaining them into some role or function, and it's generally by using an oil. And so today we're going to pray for you at the end of the service, and we're going to anoint just your forehead with a little bit of oil, believing for God's power, God's blessing, God's breakthrough for your 2020. So I want you to start to think about what do you believe in God for in 2020. There's another word called consecration. You know, it's a really kind of difficult word, isn't it? Consecration is the solemn dedication to a special purpose or service. So to God anoints people for a particular service. It doesn't mean to be somebody up here preaching like me. You might be anointed to play music. You might be anointed to write songs. You might be anointed to be a doctor to heal people. You, you, God consecrates us for a special service or purpose. And we all have different services and purposes. There's none below another, whatever it may be. Maybe it's been to be an incredible mum to raise up the next generation. But God's ordained you, consecrated you for a special service or purpose according to who you are. He doesn't call you to go to Africa and in the jungles to be a missionary when you don't want... To. There's something in you that fits it. He's not a God that says you're a box and I'm gonna you know, put you in some kind of round hole. He takes a round... Sophia and he puts it through a round hole. He, he knows who you are and what you're about more than you do. And there's this other word holy and it's really misunderstood. It simply means set apart by God for service. Holy doesn't mean you're perfect. Holy doesn't mean you got it all together. I'm far from that, but I'm anointed, I'm consecrated, and I'm holy because I'm serving God in a particular purpose. But it doesn't mean I'm any better or I've got it all together completely. Not completely. But holy means set apart. You're holy when you've been set apart for God and you're doing what he's called you to do. That's what those words mean. And that's what we're going to talk about today. My first major point today is, if we could put that up, the next one. What's between Egypt and your promised land? What's between Egypt and your promised land? It's not a trick question. Just have a think about it. There's a wilderness. There's a wilderness between Egypt and the promised land. Egypt speaks of this world. The promised land speaks of that promise that God's made to you. And the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt and God promised them a promised land, a Canaan, a land of milk and honey for them to live and raise their families. But between their Egypt and their promised land, there was a big wilderness. They were there for a long time. Slave thinking to kingdom thinking. In the wilderness, they left Egypt as slaves. But God had to change their thinking and their belief system about who they were because they couldn't take the promised land until they became kingdom thinkers till they became kings in their mind they became warriors they believed that they could have victory if they had gone into Canaan straight after the wilderness they were going in there as slaves they could never have won the psychological battle or the physical battle god needed to change their thinking and their mindset and their belief and their identity to become kingdom thinkers from little thinkers to big thinkers that they could take the promised land See, after slavery, things weren't any better. They left Egypt. It was still pretty bad in the wilderness for a long time. You know, sometimes we can wonder, you know, have we done the right thing? I took that job. Did I do the right thing? I've done that. I won't even go there. Anyway, I left a really good job for something else. And I went, the day I did it, I went, what have I done? And I tried to get the job back. It was too late. But it actually was the right thing to do. But it was uncomfortable, and I didn't like it. You know, sometimes we wonder when we made a move or, or, or we've made a decision or a life choice. We, we, we kind of think, did I do the right thing? Because it's not easy, it's uncomfortable, and we're not enjoying it. Yeah. But there's a process for you to go from slave thinking, small thinking, to big kingdom leadership thinking. There's a process that we have to go to, and, and, and we have to go from this slave identity to a priest-king identity. Yeah. You know, when they first left Egypt, just before they left, the night before they left, the Israelites, they had to get a lamb, each household, and they had to kill the lamb to eat it, and they were to get the blood and put it above the doorposts. The Bible says when they took the blood of the lamb put it on the doorposts, and they ate of the lamb as a family, that that night when the angel of death passed over Egypt, he would pass over the houses that had the blood, and would only kill the firstborn of those of the Egyptians. And this is a great picture. They did it. This is a picture of Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is the Lamb of God. Yeah. That our sins are forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. See, this, this is actually, this is a, a typology or picture or symbol of what was to come a few thousand years later. That God would send his son. And then, if you would invite him and eat of the lamb and accept him into your soul, into your inner being, and you would take the blood that was shed for your sins, you would put it across the doorpost of your soul or your spirit. The Bible says that the angel of death will pass over you and that you will be an eternal being. And even though this body dies, you will get a new body and you will live forever. And so as they left Egypt, which is a picture of the world, to lead the world, you have to go through Jesus. They had to take the blood of Jesus. They were set apart when they left Egypt but they weren't anointed yet. They weren't anointed yet. They were just set apart. They, 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 they're on a journey with God. And they had to go through this process of encounters with God in the desert. You know, We don't get changed in a night. It's a journey. We, we, we just go through processes and encounters with God. It's the Bible says, line upon line, precept upon precept, just a little here, a little there, as we connect with Him, it changes a bit. We connect, we connect, and we go through this journey in the wilderness. I just want to encourage you today, if you feel like you're in a wilderness, I want encourage you, you're in a good place. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor Robbie? You know, if you're in a wilderness, you are in a great place. The wilderness is where they were transformed from slaves to kings and priests. The wilderness is where their identity was completely transformed. They entered as slaves in the wilderness. They left it as conquerors. They entered the wilderness as slaves. And they left it as conquerors and victors with a totally transformed mindset, thought process, and how they spoke. And then they conquered their promised land. If you're feeling pretty bad that you're in a wilderness, I'm going to encourage you you're actually in a good place. You're in a place for a God encounter. You're in a place where God can change you. He can encourage you. He can work on you. He can transform you. He can empower you so that you can take your promised land. You can't take your promised land until you've allowed the process of the wilderness to have its work and to be a rearranging and a transformation and a pruning in our lives. Each of us has to change from a slave thinking to a kingdom thinking, from small to big. You know, some of us, we're still thinking like slaves, we're still speaking like slaves. You've met Jesus, you've left Egypt. You've been redeemed or consecrated by God through the blood of the Lamb. You're in your wilderness, but you're still a slave. You're still early on that journey. You're still thinking like a slave. You're still talking like a slave. You're speaking like a slave. Oh, we can't do this. We couldn't take the promised land. We can't defeat those. I can't do that. I'm not good enough. I don't have what it takes. I'm dead. I'm this. I'm broke. I'm doing all these things. But God, kingdom thinking... You think differently when we go from a slave to priest or kingdom thinking, and you start to speak a new language. You start to say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. No weapon. More are they that are on the mountains that are for me than they that are against me. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That it's no longer I that lives, as Emily said, but Christ who lives in me. The I has to go and the Christ has to come. It's not about what you can do, but what he can do through you. Our eyes have to go off our slavery and into the king we serve. So we become kingdom thinkers. The wilderness is a place where you're empowered. It's The wilderness is where God anointed Israel. In the wilderness is where they got anointed. They got anointed with oil in the wilderness. Not in Egypt, not in the promised land. The wilderness is where he commissioned them and anointed them. That they would no longer be slaves, but be kings and priests. Yeah. It's where you're transformed in the wilderness. Luke four fourteen. if we can put it up. This is Jesus. Jesus had to go into the wilderness to be empowered and anointed. It says, Jesus returned. He went to the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible says. Yeah. It says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went through all the surrounding country. And he taught in the synagogues being glorified by all. The wilderness is where God changes our thinking and our speaking, anoints and empowers us for your next season. So you need to go through the wilderness and the process so that you can get to the next season, that you can conquer in the next season, that you can have victory in the next season. Don't mourn when you're in the wilderness. It's hard, but don't mourn in the wilderness. Celebrate what God's doing in your life. The wilderness is a place of pruning. The wilderness is a place of adjustment and challenging. But if we embrace it and allow it to have its process, we come out the other side completely different so that you can leave it and enter your promised land and enjoy your promised land and be fruitful. Hebrews 12.2. The next two scriptures I don't really like, okay? The second one, can you hate scripture? I wouldn't say that. I'm just asking a question. Can you, you know, can you hate a scripture? Well, the the second scripture is a scripture I particularly don't like. So I'm going to read it anyway because it's good for our soul, isn't it? It's just wonderful. Okay. Hebrews 12.2. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of God. So for Jesus, the, the cross is like, a, he had to give up everything he was and had and be crucified. But why? Because the joy of the other side, the joy of the promised land, the joy of getting there, the joy of seeing you in eternity, he endured the pain and he endured the cross. Yeah. The next one, Martin Luther pulled the book of James out of his Bible. Did you know that? Anyway, just a bit of thought. James 1, 2 to 4. This one I really don't like. Okay, This would be my scripture I like the least in the whole Bible. Okay, This is it. Okay, let's read it. It hurts me reading it. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. You're telling me there's various kinds of trials? Yeah. I don't want that. Yeah. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Yeah. Let steadfast have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing see, when we go through the wilderness, we go through this trial. God's trying to invest in us things that we could never get in any other place. You know, it's like a video game. You know, we go through the wilderness, you're kind of getting coins, you're getting powers, you're getting supernatural gifts, you're getting resources, you're getting machine guns and bazookas. The wilderness is the place where God will resource you. If you don't go through the wilderness, you can't get resource. It's a resource to go to the next level of the game or to go into the promised land. In your promised land, you can pull out those things that you found, those tools, those resources that you experienced, and that God gave, invested into you while you're in that wilderness experience. There's a benefit, there's a gain in that. My next point God's presence and anointing is your superpower. Superpower. See, God's anointing, His presence, sets you up for victory. God doesn't give it to you to make you fail. He gives you his presence, his spirit, his anointing to empower you for victory, for success. So the anointing empowers you to do things that are beyond your own abilities, beyond your natural abilities. So God often calls people to go and do a mission or a task that when you first hear it, you go, that's impossible. He doesn't call you to do something that you can just easily do in your natural. He gently calls us to a task or a mission that is overwhelming, that is beyond our thinking, that we know we can't do because he wants you to know that you can't do it. But when he puts his presence and his anointing upon you, he's giving you supernatural powers and strength to accomplish something far bigger than who you are because it's no longer about I, but it's Christ who lives in me. If he gives you a task that's easy for you to do, I would challenge you. God is the kind of guy; He'll get you to do stuff that you can't do because he wants the glory out of it. Because then you have to draw upon powers that you don't have. You have to rely on something bigger than yourself. That if God doesn't come through, you won't make it through. And that's the place he wants you and I to be because he doesn't share his glory with another. If God's given you a purpose or a calling or a mission or, or, or a gifting that's on your life, can I encourage you not to ignore it? can I encourage you not to take it lightly? Don't disregard the special gift that God has put on your life. Don't hold it in low esteem because it doesn't impress him. He wants you to see it as your highest goal. It's something special from him that you will do anything to make happen. It's got to be of incredible value to you because it's incredible value to him. See, we don't do these things that God calls us to for man. We don't do it to please other people but well, we do it to please and serve the God that asked us to do that, to use the gift that he's given to you. Amen. Is it our will or God's will? It says in Mark 8:35, it says, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. That's talking about, oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, Lord, I, want to, I don't want to live there. I don't want to go to ship. I don't want to ship. What is your... Like, as Christians, sometimes we're so busy about... How can my life satisfy me and my pleasures? But that's not the gospel. The gospel is that we lay down our life for others. That the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. There's no longer I that lives, that Christ lives in me. What is your will, not my will, Lord? That's the gospel. But the Bible says when we do that, he gives us our life. We know a new life that we never lived, our fulfillment, because he knows what you need more than do you, you yourself. The anointing is literally a superpower to enable you to fulfill God's purpose. Through you, through your life. That's what the anointing simply is. Yeah. And there's, um, I, I think I've talked about this before. I, I um, was in a, like a conference a number of years ago, and I was just worshiping there. You know, I was just, oh Jesus, just worshiping, and I felt the Holy Spirit. I, 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 felt, I smelled. It's a little voice. I smelled. I, I, I felt and heard this little voice in my soul. I don't know how to explain it. It's like a feather, and it just said, um, what did it say? Yes, this is what it said. It said. Just follow me. It's not going to be small. And the impression I got of it was, you're not going to like it, but just follow me. It's not going to be small. The carrot was, it's not going to be small because he knows me. It's like, oh, it's not going to be small. You got my attention. I didn't like the first half. I got the impression I'm not going to like it, but it's not going to be small. Okay, you've got, you got my ears. I'm open. And then about a second later, Pastor Vaughan, who, who's preaching in this church, tapped me on the shoulder. He was next to me. He says, oh, God just gave me a word for you. So, like, oh, okay. That's weird, like literally a second. And uh, he said, I see God giving you a superpower. Oh, like like that. Is it invisible? What is it? What is it? (laughs) He said, I saw Super Mario. Because Vaughn's into video games and all that, so he's a tech head. He goes, I see you like Super Mario. And God's going to give you this superpower. It's like Mario steps on a mushroom or eats a mushroom or I don't know what kind of mushroom. It wasn't magic. I don't know what he did. But he, he took this mushroom and he said, as soon as he did it, Mario grew 10 times his size. He said, and that was you. God's going to give you a superpower, and you're going to grow 10 times your size. And he said, I just saw you conquering and stomping. And it's like you went to all these different levels in the game really quickly, really fast, because you had this super power, supernatural power from God. I was like, I'll take that. Yeah. Well, that's the anointing. The anointing of God will cause you to do things that are impossible for you to do. He can accelerate your life beyond what you've put into a thing. He can cause an investment to, to be a hundredfold, wherein the natural it should be threefold. The anointing will cause you to fulfill the purpose of God at an ex, ex, extra speed rate. I'm not going to try to say the word because I'll say it wrong. Exponential. That's the word. You knew it. King David knew what the anointing was about. In the Bible, he constantly talked about the anointing am i four minutes over no. holy dooly i'm not even near oh yes i am i'm not too bad okay king david psalm eighteen twenty nine said this thank you for by you i can run against a troop and by my god i can leap over a wall in other words david's saying hey as one i can defeat a whole troop with my god i can jump over a wall in the natural i can't beat the troop in the natural i can't jump over a wall but because of my God's anointing and presence on my life, I can do things that are physically beyond my, my natural ability. And we know all through the Bible that David and his men won battles against armies way superior and bigger than them. He knew the power of anointing. He knew the power wasn't his own ability or his men's gifts, but he relied and drew near to God that it was God's anointing, God's calling on his life that would cause him and his men to do things beyond they could even imagine, that the strength was from God himself. See, the anointing can change your heart. The anointing can bring favor on your life. The anointing can bring a strength you never experienced. The anointing can bring a victory beyond natural logic or abilities. People will say, How did that happen? God, the anointing. Yeah. What happened after Jesus was anointed? All these healings. Disciples were drawn to him. The Bible says he was anointed to teach, he raised the dead. He did so many miracles. He fed 5,000. He was transfigured on the mountain. He walked on the water. He turned water to wine and he was raised from the dead himself. The anointing of God empowers us. And in the Old Testament, when they were, they were in the wilderness and they built the tabernacle on the Holy of Holies and the Ark of the Covenant, they made this anointing oil that God gave them the instructions for. And that anointing oil was sacred. If you made it outside of the purpose of the temple, it was death. It was an honor. It was something that was prized. It was holy. It was special. And they anointed the Holy of Holies with that. They anointed the utensils of God's house with that. But that same anointing oil, what was used to anoint the priests, the priests, which is you and I, are anointed with the same anointing oil that is in the throne of God. The Holy of Holies, that anointing, is the same anointing that he empowers you with. It's special. It's sacred. And we shouldn't take it for granted. But even though it's the same anointing, How it comes out in each of our lives is very unique, very different. Very different flowers in this room, gardens of of variety. And the thing that God has put on you is very different to the person next to you. And so it's not always going to look the same, but it's a fit for you. Some of you are anointed to sing. Some are anointed to preach. Some are anointed for leadership and for business and making money for the kingdom. Others are anointed for art and creativity. Someone just, not just, someone anointed to care for people and love people and nurse people and and just be a a shoulder to cry on. He's called us all for different things, but we have to do the thing he's anointed us for. Because I can be anointed for business, but if I'm not working in business, I'm not going to see the power and the benefit of it. I've, I've got to get, I could be anointed for preach, but if I never preach, then I'm not going to experience and see the fruit of my life. If, if God's called you to ministry, you've got to get in ministry. You've got to do it because that's where the power is. That's where the authority is. That's where the gifting for you is. You can do okay over here. You can maybe be success, but we've got to get our life under the tap of the anointing for what God's called you and I do, whatever it may be. Whatever it may be. Amen. Some of you anointed just, to just look good. I'm going to start a connect group for us. For the people that just... It's probably going to be about three... Oh, someone's got their hand up at the back. Okay, yes, you're in the connect group. Yes, you're in. You're accepted. If the musicians could please come up. Oh, my goodness. And we start to play some music. How can you live a life that broadcasts the boldness of God, the bright, bold hope of God to others? A life that demonstrates freedom, that you are who God created you to be, to be free, to be that in all its glory. That your life would be fruitful and victorious in 2020, that you could enter your promised land. Don't fall short of the promised land. Don't give up before the promised land. The wilderness might be tough, might be scorpions, might be stuff going on, but God can bring springs in a desert. He can provide manna in a desert. He can sustain you through a desert. Because when you get to the other side, the promised land is glorious. The grapes are giant, the land is fruitful. There's streams, there's water, there's, there's habitation and houses. But we need God's presence and anointing in our life. That's the the difference, the point of difference for you between somebody out in the world. It's the presence, the anointing of God. It's the point of difference for you. But we need to be doing what He's anointed us for. If we could play thank you. If we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. But it's His anointing that gives us the superpower to fulfill purpose, to fulfill destiny do it in your own strength and it's just going to be limited success. You draw upon that oil of heaven. That's where the power is. Thank you for listening to this message. To stay in touch with Encounter, follow us on Instagram at encounter.cc or find us on Facebook at encounter.shepperton.